Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Family Wealth and Other Musings. I am your host, Becky Easton. And if you're new around here, I'm a personal family lawyer licensed in Arizona and Colorado. And this podcast aims to bring you a little bit of legal content and uh, tangentially related uh, content as well. And um, just a little bit every day. And uh, this was born out of a challenge to post one podcast episode every day for a year. And we are almost at episode, where are we? We're in the 90s now. This is crazy exciting, guys. I'm doing so well. I'm very proud of myself, and I love having you all along on the journey with me, helping me stay accountable to <laughs> posting every day, coming back and being here with you and bringing this content to you. So a lot of this, um, including the article that I'm going to talk about today, um, a lot of these articles can also be found on our blog, which is available at familywealthsecrets.eastonlawplc.com. And, um, and let's see, what else did I want to say about that? Yeah, if you'd like to read the content as well, you can head over there for um, for some of these articles that I go over um, that I get graciously through New Law Business Model, which is um, the if you're having to be an attorney out there and you're considering um, picking up estate planning as an extra practice area um, or even you know business planning, then I'd highly recommend checking them out. I've really enjoyed my experience with NLBM. And, and I get really great content that I'm then able to share with you guys and um, some really excellent training as well. So a lot of my philosophy on how to best serve my clients, the attorney that I want to be for my clients, um, I found was kind of mirrored in their systems. And so it really made a whole lot of sense when, um, when I was looking for coaching and guidance and whatnot in running my firm that, um, yeah, it just really fell, fell in line for me. So I hope you enjoy, um, you enjoy some of this content that, that I get to share with you. And today we are coming back at you with part two of how to manage your digital accounts after your death. And, you know, I suspected that we were going to be talking about Apple, um, in this one, although we, I just talked about it, what, a few days ago, what, Thursday, I think our, our episode was, um, talking specifically about the Apple legacy contact. Um, but we'll talk about it a little bit more again today. I did want to go ahead and talk about it last week when I brought it up because my friend had mentioned it perfectly that day. Um, you know, asking me if I, if I knew about it and I had actually just, and when I had upgraded my phone, I had actually just set it up for myself. So, um, always good to learn more about the new technology that's out there. So we'll talk a little bit more about it again today, um, as well, but definitely go back and check out that episode. Um, if you like, it's just specifically about, um, the Apple legacy contact. So, if you have any sort of preferences about what happens to your digital footprint after your death, you need to take action. Otherwise, your online legacy is going to be determined for you and not by you. 
If you have any online accounts like Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Apple, or Amazon, you have a digital legacy, and that legacy is yours to preserve or to lose. Following your death, unless you've planned ahead, some of your online accounts will survive indefinitely, while others will automatically expire after a period of inactivity, and still others have specific processes that let you give family and friends the ability to access and posthumously manage your accounts. So last week, I covered the processes that Facebook and Google have in place to manage your digital accounts following your death. And now today, I'm going to continue that discussion covering Instagram, Twitter, and Apple. So start on off, Instagram. And Instagram is owned by Facebook, so the photo and video sharing social media platforms processes for handling your account after your death are going to be similar, but they're not entirely the same. So as a reminder, Facebook allows you to name a legacy contact to handle um, your account after your death. And Instagram gives you two options for managing your account after death. You can either have your account memorialized or you can have it deleted. However, it's your family and not you that has the final say. This makes it all the more important that your loved ones are well aware of your wishes for how you'd like this digital asset managed when you die. In order to have your account memorialized, Instagram requires a family member or friend to submit a special request form along with proof of your death, such as your obituary or death certificate. Once your account is memorialized, the word remembering appears next to your profile name and your account will be basically frozen, appearing exactly as you left it before your death. All posts shared on your memorialized Instagram account will be preserved and shared with the same audience they were before your death. No one can log into the account, make changes to your posts, profile information, or settings. And additionally, your memorialized account will no longer appear in public Instagram forums, like its explore page. Alternatively, Instagram allows your account to be permanently deleted after your death. And according to Instagram's policy, only family members can have your account deleted, and this requires a bit more effort than memorialization. To have your Instagram account permanently erased from cyberspace, your loved ones must not only submit a special form, but they must also supply your birth certificate, proof of death, as well as proof that they are your lawful representative under local law, the latter of which can take the form of a power of attorney document, a will, or an estate letter. And actually, you know, reading this, I would be really curious to see how that would play out. I mean, if you were dead, I mean, this mentions a power of attorney. Um, the power, power of attorney has no power once you have passed away. Um, and a will or an estate letter. Yeah, so interesting there. I'd like to see how that um, actually plays out um, in, in practice. And let's go ahead and talk about Twitter now. Twitter's policies regarding the management of your account after death are fairly simple. Though if you're following the news these days, you know that those policies are subject to change maybe at any moment. In fact, the company only gives you one option when it comes to your account after death, and that's deactivation. Like Instagram, Twitter leaves a decision as to what happens to your account after your death up to your family. Twitter's Help Center offers a page with the specific details about deactivating a deceased person's account. 
So if your family has your login and password information when you die, it's fairly easy. Whoever has your login and password, plus the two-factor authentication access, if you have two-factor authentication turned on, can log into your account on their own and select the deactivate my account option. From there, the account will be deleted after 30 days of inactivity. With that said, the account can be reactivated simply by someone logging back into your account before 30 days expires. So if your family doesn't have your login information, Twitter offers an alternate option for your account's deactivation. However, Twitter notes that this option is only available to verified family members and estate executors. The process starts by having a family member or your executor fill out a special form requesting the removal of your account. Following the request, Twitter will email instructions asking the person for additional details, including information about your death, a copy of their ID, and a copy of your death certificate. And then from there, Twitter will review each request individually, but as long as the proper information is provided, Twitter notes that the vast majority of these requests are granted. So keep in mind that such requests will result in the account's permanent deletion, so make sure your loved ones carefully consider their decision, since once it's deleted, the process can't be reversed. So now back to talking about Apple devices and the services. So all Apple devices and services require an Apple ID. And this ID is used for everything from logging onto your iCloud files to making app store purchases to tracking and finding your lost iPhone with the Find My app. Like Facebook, Apple lets you select a legacy contact to manage the data and devices connected to your Apple ID after your death. Your legacy contact can be anyone you choose, and you can even designate more than one. The data that your legacy contacts can access and manage includes items like photos, videos, messages, notes, files, contacts, calendar entries, downloaded apps, and backups of any devices stored in iCloud. Your legacy contacts will also be able to remove the activation lock from your devices so that they can personally use them, give them away, or sell them. However, your legacy contacts will not have access to your login or password information, your payment information, your iCloud email accounts, or any of your licensed media, which means that you can't pass on your collection of music, movies, or apps unless that media already exists on one of the devices that you own. Before providing access, Apple reviews all requests made by your legacy contacts. In order to gain access, your legacy contacts will need the access key provided when they were first nominated, as well as a copy of your death certificate and your date of birth. This makes it vital for your legacy contacts to print out a physical copy of their access key and safely store it, rather than relying on it being saved in your messages app or password manager. Once access is approved, your legacy contacts receive a special Apple ID to access your account. From then on, your old Apple ID and password will no longer work, and activation lock is removed from all devices using your Apple ID. From the time the first legacy account request is approved, your legacy contacts have three years to access your data and devices, after which your account is permanently deleted. And through it all, don't be afraid to ask for some help. Although you can manage many of the processes that I've described here on your own, when it comes to preparing your estate plan, you want to work with a qualified attorney. Using the life and legacy planning process of a personal family lawyer ensures that all of your digital assets, along with your more traditional forms of property and wealth, 
are preserved and passed on seamlessly to your loved ones in the event of your death or incapacity. And we'll accomplish all of this while ensuring that you have the maximum level of privacy possible. So after hearing all of this, you might be thinking, well, yeah, Becky, but what do we do? How do we get these digital assets into our estate plan? How do we account for them? Well, that's where I want you to tune in next Tuesday, because I'm going to conclude this whole discussion series by offering an easy five-step process for including digital assets in your estate plan. So I hope you will check back then. And that will also be a part of our newsletter that goes out next week as well. So if you are not already signed up to receive our newsletter, then I recommend that you go check out our links page at bit.ly forward slash Easton Law Links, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Easton Law Links. And um, sign up for our um, newsletter. It comes out every Monday straight to your inbox and is chock full of fun information uh, for you. So head over there and sign up so that you get me in your inbox as well. I appreciate you joining me for another episode. This has been Family Wealth and Other Musings, and I am your host, Becky Easton, and I will be back tomorrow with another fabulous episode for you. What's tomorrow? Work at Wednesday. So we'll be talking business tomorrow, guys. See you then.